welcome to the podcast Unimagined, where current and former students share how they imagine education in schools could be regarding student leadership. We ask them to share about their experiences and offer advice on how we can all do better. In this episode, we meet Gabby, a junior in private high school who spent her middle school years in Senegal while her mother started a school. The move was not something she wanted to do at all, but after moving, she reflects back on the experience as one of incredible growth and resiliency. So I'm going to start with asking you to just tell me and the listeners a little bit about who you are. I'm 15. And I'm from upstate New York, which is where I was born. I do cross country, and I love to dance. I don't think I knew that you loved to dance. Did you dance when you were uh, younger? Yeah, I did. But I was one of those people that got really bored at dance class, so I could never stay at a studio for more than, like, a month. I just danced by myself at my house. What kind of things would stop motivating you or stop inspiring you to want to stay with that group? Well, I like to move really fast. I like to just go, go, go all the time. When people say they have a day off, that's boring to me. I just want to do something. I would go to class and they would just stretch and I would be so bored. I would be like, can we just dance? Can we just learn it and then do it? I just want to do it. Now I just dance like and do what I want. You process things quickly. When you process something quickly, it becomes boring to you. In a class, aspect. I actually kind of like that I process things quickly because I can be done faster and I can just get it over with and then not have any stress. But I think if it's a group project, I've definitely been with people who are more slower to get things done. At one point, these people in my group were so slow that I had to do the whole project by myself because I was just so tired of waiting for them to do it. So I think sometimes it's a good thing so I can get stuff done and help my peers because I've already learned it. But it's also challenging because sometimes I move too fast and then people will be like, you need to slow down. It's challenging to balance both sides. Do you feel that you're able to communicate that well to your teachers? It depends on what teacher it is because some teachers make me nervous. I always feel sometimes like I'm offending them and I'm like, oh, your class is too boring for me. I'd feel bad saying that to them, but I think that If I'm so bored to the point where I'm not learning anything, I think that I would tell them and be like, hey, could you give me extra stuff? Or hey, could I move a little bit ahead? I definitely think I would communicate it if I needed to. As a teacher, I think knowing that you process things really quickly, I might be able to find things to engage and challenge you. And I wonder if I recognize when students process things really quickly. Well, I liked school when I was younger. I thought it was fun. I don't feel that now, but when I was younger, I was so excited to go to school. I love my teachers, etc. except for math, but that's just a special thing that I'm really not good at. I loved it. I feel like elementary school is just such a fun time because you just really get to be a kid and 
learning isn't really hard yet. I mean, it was hard for me when I was seven, but now thinking back, two plus two was not that challenging. I really loved school at my in my hometown, especially my middle school. They did a lot of fun trips, and it was really fun. And since I had a small class, it was always really fun because we were connected. We were always together since we were such a small group. Everyone was friends with each other, so I really liked it. You and your family had a pretty big move. What was that move like for you? When we moved, I was 12 years old, and I hated it so much. I was such a demon child to my parents. I would cry all the time. I would yell because I really did not want to move at all. I was like, this is the worst possible thing that could happen to me. This is so evil what they're doing to me. I hated it so much. Obviously, now looking back, I'm like, that was such a smart idea. I love living where I live. At the time, I was like, I do not want to leave my friends. I do not want to leave America. I do not want to go somewhere where I don't speak the language language. I did not want to do it at all. And I actually told my parents this. It was a really dramatic time, mostly for me because I'm kind of dramatic naturally. But I think I was really dramatic then because like I hated it so much. Do you think you would have felt the same way if your parents had said we're moving to, I don't know, Florida or Texas or California, somewhere beautiful and warm? Or do you think it was because your parents were moving to a different country? I think I would have felt the same way, but but I don't think it would have been at the extreme that it was at because obviously I'd been to Florida before. Like I know what California is. It wouldn't have been so foreign to me. I was just scared to go to the other place. And if it was just like California, I don't think I would have been as scared because like it's not foreign. It's not new to me. How much notice did they give you that they were moving your entire family and everything that you knew to Senegal? It was just my mom who told me. She actually picked me up from dance. And as we were driving home, she was like, hey, how would you feel if we moved to Senegal? And I was like, at first, because I didn't really think she was serious. I was like, oh, yeah, it would be okay. But, you know, I don't really want to move. And then a couple weeks later, she was like, so when I told you we might be moving to Senegal, we are definitely moving because I did accept the job. And I was like, oh, okay. I was really shocked. I was like, I did not think you were serious. My mom had been to Senegal. She actually went to Senegal as a college trip. So that was the first time she had ever gone. And then she moved back to Senegal after college. Like that's where she got the position at the school where she returned to teach at. So she lived there for five years. And actually she met my dad while she was in Senegal. And so she had like a really big connection to the school. She was good friends with the owners. She actually was the head of school at one point. She loved Senegal. She loved the school. So of course, when she got the job offer, you can return and you can head this school. It had been her dream to do that. And actually, I remember when I was 10, my parents talking of actually buying the school before she got the job offer. So it was always like going to be a part of this school. The fact that she got the offer was such a surprise for her. And my dad had never been. He had never left the United States before he met my mom. We actually left August 13th of 2017. I only had five months to say, I'm leaving the whole country to all my friends. And it was summertime. Yeah, that was hard, actually. And my best friend was actually leaving the day before we left because she was also moving to California. So we had to squeeze in the last goodbye, see you thing right before she left. It was definitely hard to say, like, 
like goodbye to everyone. I can relate to your story. When my husband and I moved to Brewster, it was sort of, hey, kids, what would you say if we if we had to move. And I remember my son who was 12 said, no, (laughs) no, thank you. I don't want to do that. And then a couple weeks later, we were like, we are doing that. And I'm thinking back to feeling like I was giving him a choice by asking him, but knowing that if the job presented itself, his voice and choice in the situation didn't really matter. And I wonder if you felt sort of similar in that situation. I definitely did. I said I didn't want to move. Obviously, it was like challenging for her too. But continuously for the five months, she was like, if you really don't want to move, just tell me and we won't move. The week before we moved, I was like, mom, I really do not want to move. Like we still moved. Obviously, she wasn't really giving me the choice. She just wanted me to feel like I had been heard, which actually did kind of help a little bit thinking about it now. But I was so upset that she said that I had the choice, but I really didn't. I was like, why? would you say that then just say we're moving and not give like a choice I was just kind of like confused yeah and so you said that you were really heartbroken and mad and demonish how long would you say that you were in that sort of state of mind and what changed Literally after she told me that we were definitely moving, that's when it started all the way up until we left and the little bit afterwards when we first arrived. I was demonized early August. Like that's when I was really bad because I knew it was coming up. So I was really like scared and bad then. And after we moved, I was more depressive. I remember I would listen to sad music in my room really loudly until my parents had to come in and give me attention, I guess. I would send my mom pictures of girls crying and being like, this is how I feel right now. It changed after I got to school. That's when I made a friend. That's when I started learning French. And the time when I really felt comfortable there was when I started my eighth grade year. Tell me what school was like in Senegal. It's very different from America, specifically my school. I don't know if other schools did the same thing as us, but we did not leave the classroom. The teachers came to us and um, we stayed in the class the entire day, except for lunchtime and break maybe if we went outside. It's really different because my school was half in French, half in English. So some subjects would be in English, some subjects would be in French and switches every year. We did like the French system, the French Senegalese teachers. You had a notebook, they would lecture to you and every single word that they said you had to write down in your notebook. And it had to be neat, it had to be organized, it had to be pretty. And they would check it too. They would check your notebooks to make sure you wrote the lesson they would go over the lesson. We would write these three-page long lessons, and then we would review them, and then we would have a test, and that's kind of how we were. Wow. And you didn't know French when you were in this situation? Not really. My grandma, she's French, and my mom's whole side is French and a little bit Swiss. So when I was younger, like a baby, my grandma, my mom would speak French to me so I understood like basic French but I could not speak a word except for like yes or no so when it was the first block of the day I remember this the first class I ever had I was sitting in class next to this girl I had never met before and this teacher comes in and starts speaking a mile a minute and I was so confused and all of a sudden I feel the girl raising my hand and she looks at me she's like you're an American student yes yeah and she was like she said 
to raise your hand if you're an American student. And I had not heard that at all. Eventually, I learned French as like I went along. What was the most valuable lesson you learned when you were in school in Senegal? I think resilience. I never gave up. And I'm really proud of myself for that because there were points where I was like, mom, please transfer me to this American boarding school 17 miles away. Please let me go there. And she was like, no, Gabby, you have to keep going. And I did. And eventually it all worked out. I think I gained a lot of resilience and a lot of perseverance by just keeping going with what I was doing. And eventually it did work out. So I guess my mom was right. What advice do you have for schools in America? I definitely think they should have more rigor. And that sounds really strict and stuff. But when I came back to America, I was like so culture shock. I was like, what is this that they're doing in this class? Oh, we can have our phones all the time now. Because at my old school, if they even saw a phone in your backpack, they would take it and keep it for the entire year until the end of June. So I was like, we can eat in class. We can have phones out. I was so shocked. And I don't think that that should be more rigorous, but I feel like the classes should be more rigorous and not in the sense like work, 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 work. But I feel like the focus is a little bit too lax. It should be more you need to focus right now. We're not being on our phones because I know a lot of teachers will just be like, get off your phone once and then not say it again. And everyone's on their phone. What advice would you give to a student who had a similar opportunity that you had with your family? I would say that if you don't have the choice, I know you probably don't want to leave, but that you should do it because you're never going to get this opportunity again. This is a once in a lifetime chance to go to this place to study in high school or middle school or whenever they're going there. I would say I know it's scary. I know it's nervous, but you should go and you should write it out and try it. It could really end up to be this really magical thing like it was for me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Unimagined. What really struck me was how Gabby shared the impact of trying to give your child a choice when in reality, there isn't a choice for them to make. Classrooms are a lot like that as well. We don't often give students the opportunity to make a choice, but we present the opportunity for them to think they are making choices. What if we can just let them make choices, let them fail, but be there to support them in those failures? Take the fear away and really let them fly. What was something this episode brought up for you? Remember, share the episode, comment on an issue you think I should ask a student, or help me connect to another student. You can follow me on all social media platforms at Peers Not Fears. The theme music for this podcast, Unimagined, was written and produced by another fellow educator, Keith McClendon. Mm-hmm.